Hey, what's up? What's up? Uh, I know I'm a few minutes late. Just had some technical difficulties. I had to get together as usual. It's not easy being technical these days. Sometimes Wi-Fi plays a part in that. So, I'm here, 4 o'clock. I should have been here Friday, but like I said, it was just some stuff going on where time just didn't permit. So, I'm here today. And before the Super Bowl, we can have a session and just talk a little bit for a little while. But, um, yeah, I'm recording on a couple of different devices. I was going to do IG Live, but it just wasn't feasible for me to do that with the equipment that I have right now. So somehow I'll inform the people on IG Live to um find me on uh, I, the podcast um youtube and you know whatever so i know for for a while we've been going back and forth to just about the same damn topics about politics and all that and just like the understanding of people when it comes to like white supremacy and reparations and why how they tie in together and we don't really fully understand that so to give you a better understanding, you just got to break it down and you got to really just go back. You can't start at this year's election because we had so many emotions with the coronavirus going on and all this other stuff. We we got emotion on who should be doing what and why this person shouldn't be there. And I've seen a, a lot, like I, I say this every week, I've seen a lot of friendships lost because of it. And I think it's sick because we live in a world where we should be able to have different opinions and go about a day and just not agree all the time. You can't always agree. You don't always agree with your family member, but you don't stop being a family member. You just don't agree with what they said. You didn't always agree with your parents, but that didn't stop them from being your parents. So why should it be any different? If somebody doesn't agree with what you agree with, then at the end of the day, that's just what they don't agree with. I don't understand why we can't have, we can't just disagree and keep it moving. We got to make a public, if you don't, if you rock with this, don't, don't talk to me or delete me and this, that, and the other, it's just, it's hilarious, I thought, sending my teeth, I'm all in the camera, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I, um, just wanted to put some, some stuff into light for people to understand and how, when you talk reparations and why it wouldn't be given, you can't just start, okay, Reparations not going to be given because of this, or this person said no because of that. This person, you got to understand why. You got to understand because of white supremacy that reparations could never be given because it disrupts it. See, people think that white supremacy is this. It's like a terrorist group, and I think. And then when you say that, people are like, no, I don't think people thought that. I really think that was people think. So when we was watching that debate, and my my timeline exploded with. Oh, look, he couldn't even denounce white supremacy. I think people thought that was like more of him saying, I denounce white supremacy and white supremacy is going to say stop. And I said this last week, but what y'all don't under, what people fail to understand is white supremacy is not a terrorist group. It's a power structure. It's not a terrorist group at all. It, it, I mean, if you could consider it what you want, but as far as like me saying to a group of people, like the Proud Boys or, you know, anybody else to stand down, that's not white supremacy. 
White supremacy is a power structure, and racism is what keeps that structure into place. And we'll just talk about that and how that if reparations is actually paid out, that it would disrupt the system of white supremacy. So let's talk about what white supremacy is. White, let's, let's just talk about the word white for a second. As we know, white is a color. But when you use it towards a group of people or a race of people, it's more of an attitude. Like, think about it. White carries an attitude. They have this attitude of they're supreme. So what does that leave? White power structure, white people thinking they're supreme supremacy. We power, we rule over everybody. We're the dominant race. Everybody else falls into place where they fall into place. That's how they look at it. We are a power structure. So racism is what keeps that power structure into place. And when you have a better understanding of that, because when you think about it, when you want to go back and everybody want to talk about history and history and history, all right, let's go back to history and how all this came about. When you had a system that you built to dominate one race, or a race, uh, not one race, when you built a where you built a structure to dominate all people, you would do anything to hold that structure into place. So when it comes to white supremacy, they did anything they needed to do to keep everything going in their favor. So when people say, oh, he didn't denounce white supremacy, okay, he didn't denounce white supremacy, which if I wasn't recording on my phone, I could bring it up on a laptop, but then I have to hook everything up so you can actually hear it, and I ain't going through all that. But um, when we say denounce white supremacy, what does denounce mean now? When you say denounce something, only thing you're telling the person to do is publicly declare something evil or bad, basically. That's all the denunciation is. It's not anything that's going to be like, stop. It's not somebody saying, oh, stop or halt or don't do that anymore. It's just, I I know white supremacy is a bad thing, and I'm telling you this, which happened in 2016 or 17 or 18 or a couple couple years in a row where he talked about, I denounced white supremacy after the Charlottesville stuff. See, they only took that one part and said they were bad people, but he said they were good and bad people on both sides. That's what they didn't show you. So we talk about, all right, this man is so racist, this man is so racist or whatever. It's just a a lot of the stuff he said, we already say. But certain people aren't supposed to say things. So when I say, all right, well, y'all telling me that he said, yo, you should denounce white supremacy. And I'm like, well, why didn't he say that same thing to the other guy that was running for the same position? Why didn't he tell him to denounce white supremacy? Your excuse was he wasn't the president. So let me let me let me compare something to you real quick. So you go to class and you take a test. And your teacher is going to say, okay, well, Lorenzo's from Southfield Village. I'm going to give him this test with these questions on it because he might struggle every day. He probably don't eat well. You know, he probably don't get enough this. He probably don't get enough that. Look, he's he's raised in the ghetto. But as Peter, we're going to give him this test with a little bit harder because Peter has time to study. Peter has time to do this because, you know, he doesn't have to worry about where his meal is coming from. Now, we're going to, this is what we're going to do right here. So, all right, we give Peter this test, Lorenzo this test, and it's based on their situations in life, though. But their goal is to either get 100, the goal is to get 100, or they're going to get all the answers wrong, according to the questions, or they're going to fall somewhere in between that. 
Have you ever seen a teacher give a person a test aiming for the same goal, two different tests on their based on their position in life? Have you ever seen that? Please, if you have, let me know and I'll shut up. But you can't say, oh, well, he take this test. So oh, he's in this position. So I'm going to tell him you have to answer this question. But we're not going to d- direct it over here because you're not in that position yet. Well, but we'll probably never ever ask you that question. We just need to stir up the people and get them emotional so they can be emotional and be like, look, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And which, what happened? (sighs) Fell for it. You fell for it. They got you thinking that this man is the most racist president we've ever had. And we talked about this last week. What did we talk about? And I didn't even notice that the camera was on my video. But what did we talk about? We talked about how, how could that be it if some of the first presidents we're slave owners. Isn't that racism? Isn't that white supremacy? Isn't that a power structure? I'm just saying. What happens in a power structure? You do anything to keep it in place. So you get your power structure. You build a power structure with a police force that is going to enforce your power structure. Just We just change it from the overseer to the officer. And it's just going to work the same way. We're still going to keep them in place. And we're still going to be in power. Because if any of them, if any of us fuck up, we'll slap them on the wrist, send them to rehab or something. But if any of them fuck up, we either going to lynch this motherfucker or we're going to send his ass to jail. Whatever one come first. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, you can't say... Oh, I'm going to tell him to denounce it, but not him because he's not in that position. That's stupid. So they're running for the same position, but you want to hear an answer from one. But don't care if the other one says it or not because um, he's not there yet. So it's not his business. But you take a 48-year politician to a four-year politician and then you want some different results. I mean, I don't I don't get it. You want this man to change the world in four years, but this man been in the Senate for 47, 48 years, 49 years, whatever, hasn't changed anything. I don't get that. How you take a business, a businessman turned politician, want him to change the world, where a politician for 40-something years ain't did shit but hinder the black community. And y'all talking about this is y'all savior, please explain that to me. I want to know. So when he say he not giving reparations, he's smart. He said, yo, listen, that's what my father and my grandfather did. I don't give a fuck what they did. Fuck them. I don't care what they did. That's not me. I'm not paying for that. Why would I pay somebody for something I had nothing to do with? Are you stupid? I ain't got nothing to do with that. Why would I pay for it? As if my father killed somebody or murdered somebody, my grandfather killed somebody or murdered somebody, I'm not going to jail. I'm not going to say, oh, I did that. Why would I, why would I do that? Why would I take the blame for something that they did? That's what he said. So then when you ask him about it again, um, let's talk about reparations. Does that include everybody? And then when you talk about reparations again, what he says, let me answer this question once for all, because I don't really think I fully addressed this. He goes on about immigrants and how we'd be stupid not to make them first class citizens and fuck everybody else. We don't even care. But we're going to thank the black Americans for getting me in office once again and saving me. We're going to keep doing that. And I'm going to drive this point home every time I talk about this, because y'all don't understand the depth of what that what the Democrats have done to y'all. And we can go into the, we're going to go into the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, all of that, and break it down to how the Republican Party was even formed, which y'all don't know. And then you're going to ask a black person if they identify with the Republican Party. How could you identify with the Republican Party? How? Well, if you know the history, and we always talk about history, like I said, you want to go back to history? Oh, historically well if you go back to history slavery yeah slavery still has an effect on you that you don't even know about but when people point it out to you you get mad and you get defensive and you don't want to be their friend anymore and why does thing keep popping up on my screen but um yeah you don't want to be their friend anymore all of a sudden because now they're telling you the truth something you really don't want to hear but anyway like i said 
So we're just talking about this whole reparations thing. And I was reading an article where they asked Donald Trump. He said, I don't see it likely happening. He was honest. You don't see it happening. I don't think it's going to happen. Obama said the same thing. But Obama really played it down to the point where it was like, yo, if we do it, if we do anything, if I was to give anything to anybody, it's going to be in a form of a Marshall's programming. A Marshall's plan, I'm sorry. A Marshall's plan, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to have all this so everybody's involved. Everybody's always got to be involved. This is never nothing for us because he goes on to say, well, Holocaust victim survivors got those. And then when you read further, the Japanese Americans, I mean, the Japanese who was in the concentration camps got paid out and all of that. And you read about that and you're like, well, damn, what about us? We're always saving everybody. What about us? We do everything. We built this country. What about us? They always put us to the back burner and they're never going to give us reparations. I'm still going to explain to you why that is. Because when you disrupt, and Obama said it himself, you disrupt and you give out reparations, you disrupt a system like white supremacy. What is white supremacy? Like I said, it's a power structure. What is a power structure? Power structure of white supremacy is basically they they control the land, the resources, and they got the wealth. They control everything. That's white supremacy. So if you give reparations, what is reparations? Reparation is basically what they call, I know y'all heard of the 40 acres in a mule. Spike, it's just not a Spike Lee company, him saying 40 acres in a mule. You know, some people don't know that. Some people don't even know who Spike Lee is. We have a younger crowd from here. Some people don't know who Spike Lee is, and I understand that. But at the end of it all, you have what they, you know, reparation is basically like 40 acres, 40 acres in a mule and a dollar. So what's 40 acres in a mule and a dollar? So 40 acres is basically what was promised when slavery was abolished and the emancipation during the, the whole emancipation proclamation and all that time doing reconstruction and all that. All right, so let's to make up for our wrongs, we should give these people their reparations, which was forty acres in the mule. Forty acres is just the forty acres of land. Your mule is basically your car of today. You know what I'm saying? You got to get a vehicle because your mule is what you needed to move crops from plant wherever you need to move them to from your plantation or your your fields to the, to the marketplace to sell wherever you sent them to. That's where, that's basically your mule, your workhorse, just like your car. You got to get to and from work and all that. So you get your land in your car, your mule, which came a little later, which, or was added a little bit, whatever, but that's neither here nor there. And then your dollar. So back in 1865, whatever, how much was a dollar worth? And then if they pay reparations, you got to think 40 acres, a mule car, some time, some type of transportation, or enough money to get a car, and then that dollar, which is probably thousand or almost, almost some some money right now. So that's a lot of money that they got to sign over. So what did Obama say about that exact thing? You displace other families. So let's pause. You displace other families. What happened when the Europeans moved into here and they just started running and spreading and plotting their shit down? This is my land. They took all the land for free. They drove the they drove the Native Americans that the natives out. I ain't even gonna call them Native Americans. They drove the natives out. So the fact that now Obama does not want that same thing to happen if you pay out reparations because now you gotta fill out the bill now. So reparations, the 40 acres of me, you take land. Now we got all these people with their private country clubs and all this, and you give 40 million people what they're actually fucking old, or if you want to break it down to how many other families that if you want to make it a family thing, not an individual thing, you make it a family thing. Now you got to get all these people, all these families, what they are old. 
that's mean country clubs are now gone, all these private grocery stores, because you have to accommodate somehow, somewhere to get these people they land. We can't displace that. So what did Obama say? Look, I, we can't have people going down the street saying, oh, that used to be my house. That used to be my family, jewels. That used to be my family. But that's what they, the Europeans did to the neighbors of Americans. And we, as we know, Obama, mama is white. If you, hey, listen, it is what it is. His mother is white. He was raised by his white grandparents in Hawaii. His father was, was an African who moved back to Kenya after him and his mother split. He came back one more time. We had this discussion before. Came back one more time before he went back and passed away in a car accident back to Kenya, his hometown. So that's why I keep saying Obama's the first African-American president, not the first black American. It's a difference. It's a difference. His mother's white. His father's African. If you want to argue, we can, but we're not. But anyway, so... He's a descendant of slave owners. Mr. McConnell said that himself. That's why me and Obama oppose reparations. We are the descendants of slave owners. Mick, he said it himself. I posted that. You can look it up. Me and Obama are opposed to reparations because what does that do? That takes away from his family legacy or his family's land and his family's wealth. Where's the Where's the money? Where's the wealth? In the land. So if you take land from his family, that's displacing them and putting them now. Okay, we're displacing my family. I can't do that. What the fuck would I do that? Displace my family for these niggas? They's not even my people. I can identify with what I want to identify. Just like when Spanish people come in here and become citizens, they got to identify as white. Well, my mother's white. I have, I was raised by my, my white grandparents. I can claim white. I don't, black. Why would I fuck out? Would I do that? To put myself on the bottom? Come on. I would never do that. Who will fucking be at top and say, you know what? I'm going to jump to the bottom. Just like Tom Brady. When he left the Patriots, he left the bottom to go to a team that he thought he could take to the top. And that's what he did. I mean, we could, we're not talking about the politics and the football, but let's talk about that. Who would want to be at the top and say, oh, I could be dominant, but I'm, I'm going to go down here and chill with these maggots and these crabs in a barrel who don't know how to fucking even come together on a modern plan to lift themselves out of the bullshit that they've been in for hundreds of years. They're not even smart enough to even know that they're in it. Then we got them so far in the barrel with the barrels in the crowd. We just keep building. It's about, but we just keep adding to the top of it. You ain't never getting out of here because we ain't gonna give you shit to get out of here until you learn to push each other and pull each other up and get it, put each other on the back and push push each other to the top. And then once you get to the top, for the chain to the bottom, and then you start pulling motherfuckers up, that's all we gonna do is be fucking crabs in the barrel because we don't know how to come together. We always want to fight each other or we always want to do this. We want to argue with this person because he identifies a Republican. Who gives a fuck who you identify with? If you ain't doing nothing detrimental to harm me, I don't give a fuck who you identify with. At the end of the day, politicians and politics is not going to fix our situation. Our situation is the only way it's going to get fixed if we do it ourselves and stop waiting on someone else to do it. That's the only way it's going to get fixed. And the fact that we keep waiting on somebody to do it is the fact that we're going to still be stuck under the, we're going to be stuck under everybody like we are now. Because like we talked about and I talk about almost every week, by this and I'm going to move the immigrants in and make the immigrant citizens first because we got to. So what happens when you make the immigrants citizens? What happens then? We don't need the black vote no more because we got these citizens. Look what we did for them. Now the Democratic Party continues their supremacy. Politics plays a part in white supremacy. Let's not forget. And we'll go back into that in a minute. But we could dominate. We could keep our supremacy and dominate and dominate because we made, look what we did for these people. Now they can vote for us. We don't need you niggas no more. We needed y'all for the years we needed y'all for. But now 
I'm picking up where Obama. So that's why they said this is Obama's third term. If you listen closely, this is Obama's third term because everything they talk about, Joe is picking up where Obama left off. The reason why they made Trump look like this such horrible guy, and I'm not in no defense of this guy at all, but the reason why they made him look like this oh so bad guy is because he interrupted their plan. He interrupted their plan. And that's what I was talking about last week when I said the most of the people that were in private prisons were undocumented citizens. Like we talked about again, what does Joe want to do? Make the the undocumented citizens citizens. So the fact that they're going to give you articles of private prison strives under the Trump administration and drive that point home, it's the same thing Obama said when he said, oh, people from Central America, don't send your kids over here by themselves or we're going to send them back. We don't know how many of these kids have been sex trafficking and all this, but if you send them over here, Mr. Obama said himself, if you send them over here, we are going to send them back. And that's why when they was talking about we got all these kids in cages and all these kids and stuff, when Trump said to Joe, well, Joe, who built the cages? Why Joe couldn't answer that question? Joe did this because he know they were built under the Obama administration. And the fact that we're using them for the same thing that you, you built them for, you're going to say, oh, look what they're doing. They're displacing families. They use that as a driving point. And what do we do? And what do we do as a people? We ate that up. Oh, look at this. Look how racist he is. He's, he's, he's separating these kids for the family. Obama told these people himself not to send these kids over here by themselves. Obama said it himself. Look it up. Look it up. He said himself, do not send them kids over here. We sending them back. We don't care if they get sex trafficked. Or He didn't have to say those words, but if you're going to mention sex trafficking before you tell them, don't send them over here, we sending them back, that means I don't give a fuck if they get sex trafficking. Whatever happens to them once you let them go is not on us. We can't, we don't got nothing to do with that. But if they happen to get through and we happen to catch them, we got these camps and these fucking tents and all this to put them in to keep them either safe from sex trafficking, whatever you want to call it, or keep them from getting lost out in the world. But you still sent them over here, but we got them in these cages because nobody coming. And y'all want to say, oh, Trump separating families. When y'all really start to think the fucking press did what they were supposed to do, they brainwashed you and you fell for the bullshit because Joe has no plan for y'all. When I talk about reparations, the reason why reparations is going to upset White supremacy is because if you do, like I said, Obama said, if you displace fucking white supremacy is the fucking wealth and the re- the power, the land and the resources, the resources. Dr. Claude Anderson talks about that all the time. It's in the resources. A lot of this shit that goes on and what we need, we need land to grow your own food. You need ag- all of that. You know what I mean? He talks about that. I ain't going to go into the depths of that. Repowernomics. And I keep pushing that. Repowernomics. Hold on. Let me take a drink of water because my mouth's kind of dry. I'm sorry. But if you give away the wealth, which is the land, you have nothing. Because some of this land is sitting on oil, as we know. Some of this land is sitting on whatever it's sitting on that could be valuable to someone else because it's not whoever it's belonging to now. And as we know, if you ever look it up, if you buy land in America, you never own the land because you have to pay taxes on it. That's one thing. You can buy the land, but you'll never own the land. But if they give out the land and distribute it like they were supposed to, the 40 acres of land that they were supposed to, then we wouldn't be in a situation we're in because you got to think, what would happen if we separated and did our own thing? Ah, so let's go there. 
When we separated, did our own thing. We had things like this. Black Wall Street. When Reconstruction was going on after everybody's release, and they was like, yo, you know what? People were doing fine. Black people were moving, Tulsa, building their own communities. What happened in Harlem Renaissance? You read about that. They were moving all over the country, building their own communities, moving out. Like they were building their communities, Black Wall Street, all these other places. What were they doing? They were going. They didn't need nobody. 600 businesses. All of this. What do we need you for? We don't need you. But you can come in here and spend your money. We ain't going to say you can't spend your money. Just like they're not going to tell us not to spend their money. They just say we don't want you to wear our shit, but they still going to take our money, even though they don't want us to wear their shit. Have you ever thought about that? You still, Timberland said, I don't want niggas wearing my shit, and niggas still buy Tim's. So the fact that we don't need y'all, but if y'all want to spend y'all money, I ain't turning away a dollar. You got to think about business is business. Supply and demand is a motherfucker. You, you need it and I got it. Come fucking get it. All money is the same color. I don't give a fuck who's spending it. So the fact that we were able to break off and do our own thing. So, and, and we didn't need them for nothing. We had bus lines and all this. But what happens when integration started happening with the bus line, the integration happened. And then now black people say, you know what? I think my money would be greener on the other side with the white man. So what happens? They go start using a white man bus system and all that, but thinking the integration is the best part. And just all the black businesses fade out because now that money that was staying circulated was circulated in the black community 26 times before it went out. Now it's just going out. It ain't even coming back in. So things is going out of business. So when you got places like Tulsa, and I'm pretty sure people have now starting to be aware of the the Tulsa and, and Black Wall Street and what happened, you know, LeBron James is doing his documentary on that, and people are more aware of that. Okay, so now you know a little bit. So what happened was, the reason why everything happened the way it happened, so so in a crowded elevator, which I had the story mixed up, and I don't know if I shared it before, but I'm going to correct the story. Well, what happened is some lady get into some, it was a, it was a crowded elevator, it was an elevator, crowded elevator, and uh, uh, the the word I'm looking for I can't find right now. Um, allegedly, there you go. Allegedly, allegedly, a black man hit a black white woman on her butt, and she went and made a big deal out of it. This guy was arrested, you know. And once the word got around that this white man had assaulted, sexually assaulted this white woman, you know. Uh, the a lynch mob say, you know what, fuck this. We're going to get this motherfucker out of jail. We're going to do this, that, and the other. We're going to do whatever. So what they do, they started burning down places, burned down everything. Killed. The number of people killed, black people killed on Black Wall Street that day, May 21st, 19, May 31st, 1921, is still really unknown. It was thousands. They burnt down businesses, house, neighborhoods, everything. They went through and burned everything down. All on a lie. The lady lied. Sound familiar, right, Emmett Till? snatched out of his bed, you know, because he said he whistled out a white woman or something. When she was on her deathbed just about last year, two years ago, she said, oh, I lied about that. Remember that? Everything is built on a lie. But they ran in there. And so the fact that they were already jealous that we don't need them now. We don't need you. We don't need you, motherfucker. We can do this on our own. Like we always done. Like if you know about maroon towns and all that, after slavery or when when slaves was escaping, going south, going to Florida from from North, like the the Carolinas and going to Florida and in between places off the grid, they was building maroon towns where they just lived amongst each other, where if anything happened, they could just pick up and leave. 
if, if they needed displaced. They was doing that because they was doing that back, back in Africa. You have people who never settled. Once the Europeans and the Asians started coming in, they was just running off and building civilization right back from the ground up in different places off the grid. And if they felt like they was going to overrun, they'll just move and keep doing it. You had groups like that. So those same group of people, if you take those people with that mentality, bring them over here and slave them, and they get this opportunity to go free. And then they're going to go build their own towns with their own civilizations and their own how they run things, how they ran things back home. Now they over in this foreign fucking country, don't know where the fuck we going. But we know if we go this direction, it's freedom or somewhat. We out of here because what Fort Negro right outside of like, come on. So these people didn't want to be enslaved. They ran. They ran. People ran and built what they had to build. So build what they had to build. I'm sorry. So when you say we could never do it, we were doing it already. We were moving out, doing our own thing. We didn't need them for what? What do we need you for when we built every fucking thing? We invented every fucking thing. What do we need you for? So when we invent something and now a white family is living off that wealth is because if you own that slave, you own that patent. Bottom line. So if that slave invented something that actually is yours, you sign your name on it. These motherfuckers can't read and write. Not the English language anyway. These They're not illiterate. They just can't read and write English. But if you take them home where they their own languages and they form their own dialects and all that, they can read and write just perfectly fucking fine. So if you teach these motherfuckers, why do you think they made it illegal to teach a slave how to fucking read? Because the less they read, the less they fucking know. So we put it in these books and these pamphlets and we put articles online and shit and we know they ain't gonna read it. So it's same fucking reminiscent of today. We don't even have to teach you how to read. You just don't do it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not the best. I'm not saying because y'all see me post a picture of me every day reading. I do that because when y'all try to debate me on my information, you know that I'm not just sitting here feeling in my emotions and going off how I feel. I'm actually researching and reading and getting the information that I need so I can get on a platform like this and give it to people. And say, here, this is where I got it from. And quote my sources and, oh, read this book and read that book. I ain't going to give you a page and a paragraph, but I can tell you what book it's in. But anyway, we always was meant to build our own. So what happened? They always destroyed everything we had. They had no other choice because we showed them we don't need you for anything at all. So if the white supremacy power structure is now now falling and, and it's like, damn, how do we regain this structure and keep everything going? Because you got to think, after slavery, crops, the South economically was built off of slavery with the picking of the cotton and the, the tending of the fields and all of that shit. So now you have, you got these 40 million people free and you got to give them all this land or you got to do this, you got to do that. And they still got to work. They still got to do... But they're competing with, oh, what's that word? It's Joe Biden's favorite word. Immigrants. So even back then, after slavery, black people had to compete with the immigrants. This was the 1800s. And now in 2021, we're still competing with the immigrants. Do y'all see how this shit ties in? And historically, they will never change the system, the system that they built to keep in the... To, to keep, they built to keep into place for 6,000. Why the fuck would we disrupt any of that? So any president who thinks about walking into this office and giving a motherfucking reparation, we're going to get you out of here faster than you can fucking blink. 
impeachment on all kinds of shit. They're going to start planting shit. Come on, man. We And then y'all want to say that Donald Trump had the worst presidency in, for, in ever. I think y'all forgot about Watergate. Remember that Watergate in the 60s? That, I mean, some of us is 40s. Some of us is 60s. Some of us is in that. And some of us remember that. Or some of us just know about it because we either watched it or we got taught it. Somehow we know about it. But so if Trump in four years was the worst president and you can't say he's been in an active war, you can't really depict what he said. Besides, he's not going to recant his statement for the Central Park Five. Okay, I mean, dickhead, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to recant it, but we don't got to fucking like you. I'm not sitting here telling you I like this dude. I'm just sitting here telling you that they fed you and fed you and fed you. Everything he did. His, look at his tweets. Look at his this. Look at his this. Look at this. But y'all forgot about Watergate. Or do y'all even know about Watergate? Look it up. Selling secrets and Nixon selling secrets. Uh, look that shit up. The worst presidency. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about Bill Clinton? Who wrote the 94 fucking crime? Who, who, his, it was passed under his administration. He didn't write it, but it was passed under his administration. Y'all was mad at him when he was getting head. But now all of a sudden, this dude said, keep the illegals out. And y'all not mad at this dude no more for getting head in the White House where he should have been displaying the most, the utmost. And y'all want to talk about Trump's wife who strips, who was stripping before he even, or who was naked, who was naked before this man even became a politician. She was naked when he met her or before he met her probably. So y'all want to drag that out, but y'all want to drag the fact out that Bill Clinton and what the Clintons was doing in Haiti and him getting head in the White House. Y'all was mad. I mean, oh, then some people, oh, a man just doing what he's supposed to do, but it's a scandal. It's in the White House. Y'all ain't, it was, that's the worst. That's not the worst, but the fact that this man's wife is naked. Okay. Okay, she's naked. So, who gives a fuck? She was naked before she got into the White House. Who fault was that? The motherfuckers who voted for Trump. Can't get mad at that. He came, he pimped the game, and he got what he wanted. He got into the House. But then the media said, yo, he interrupted this plan, man. We can't. Yo, listen, Obama started something. He did his eight years building up this plan. Joe didn't run. They thought Hillary was going to get in. And Hillary would have probably picked up with Obama left off. Let's not fucking get it twisted. But then Trump comes in and disrupts the plan. And now it's like, oh shit, we got to get this dude out. Because if they, I, I promise you, if they don't make this presidency look historically as bad, he wins over Joe Biden. There's no way he does not. There's no way he does not. But that's neither here nor there. But what they did, they told you this man was this, this man was that. So you had to get emotional. And now all you got is Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, like I told y'all last week, Biden was smart and said, let me call her. That's the only way you're going to get in because black people are going to see a black woman and it's a woman and women is going to eat this shit up. Oh my gosh. Let me get this black woman and put her as my running mate. When we were just beefing months ago when we was running for this seat and she was calling me out on my bullshit and I was kind of calling her out on her bullshit. But now we're going to run together and gonna put our bullshit to the side. Why black people can't do that? Put our bullshit to the side and run together. Like I heard the same. And I think I put this on my Facebook years ago. If it ain't still there, the quote, it says the snowflake is the most fragile creation ever. But look what it does when it's stuck. When it, look what they can do when they stick together. Anybody living in Connecticut or in New York right now, just open your window. Snowstorm. You can't drive out there. You can if they play, if they plow the streets some. It's a snowstorm. But the only thing you got to do is go outside and do this. And they fall on your tongue and melt right away. But look what they do when they stick together. Why can't we be snowflakes? But we're stronger than snowflakes. The black man is the most strongest creation in the world. You know that. 
If you don't look it up, it's historically true. But anyway, look what they do when they stick together. That's white supremacy. What do white people do? when They st- They didn't enslave each other. Like Africans did enslave each other. Don't get it twisted. They enslaved each other, but they enslaved each other on conquering territories and stuff like that. And the fact that we conquered you, so now you're enslaved, not for the fact of a, a supreme, like we're going to make you, we're going to beat you and do this. We just conquered your land and now you work for us, basically. You part of our tribe now. You know, so, but what the white people say, yo, we'll never enslave each other. We'd rather kill each other than enslave each other. So that's what they did. When they go to war, they're not going to kill each other. They're going to, they're not going to enslave each other. They'd rather kill each other, but we'll never enslave each other and treat ourselves. We'll rather get you out of here than make you suffer. But these motherfuckers, we're going to make them suffer because we need to keep these niggas in place. We need to keep these motherfuckers in place. So that's white supremacy. So for you to say a person to denounce, just saying, oh, why don't you denounce white supremacy? For you to say a person to get on here after thousands of years of this shit being built to say, I denounce white supremacy and think it's going to stop, but you can't stop with a denunciation. I don't know what the fuck everybody was thinking about. People were so emotional. Like I said, you ate this shit up. We need to stop fucking letting the media feed us their bullshit because everything we get, like somebody said to me, and I, we was talking about something, and I said something about, what's good, D? How you, man? Dewan? Um, And we was talking about something, and this dude said, well, well, why wasn't it on TV? Right then, I knew I lost my audience because the fact that you're relying on the television and the media to tell you what's going on around you is the fact that I can't even have a conversation with you because it's way deeper than what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you what they want. And I, like I said, the Allen Iverson syndrome, and I think I kind of, kind of got into that. I don't know if the video ever posted, but the Allen Iverson syndrome is this. And I, I want people to understand what they, what they did. If you don't really know when they talk about that practice thing, when they was like practice, practice, oh, you want to talk about practice. What they do, what the Allen Iverson syndrome is, what they do, they take what they want you to see and feed it to you to make the person look bad. So what they did is they took that part and said, practice? Oh, practice? You know, so what did that make you think? That the nigga don't practice? Like, he'd say, you know what? I'm too good. I'm the man. I don't practice for what? No. He was saying, we're taking this time now to talk about practice where we could be talking about something else. I just lost my best friend. We just lost the game. And you want to sit here and talk about practice. That's what he was saying. But they made you think that he was saying, oh, I don't practice. So he, he goes later on when he get traded to Denver to say, listen, or I don't even know if he was in Denver. He was already in Denver. Like, yo, what MVP, you know, don't practice. What scoring champ, you know, don't practice. My point of saying that was we're taking this time out and all this stuff that just happened. And y'all want to talk about me and practice and what happened at practice. Let's talk about something more important. So that's what they did with Donald Trump. They gave you what they wanted you to see. They wanted you to see certain things, so they take it and they emphasize those one points. They say the same thing with Kanye when everybody's like, oh, he just wanted to take away from this person's vote. But they gave you the Kanye press conference, but they gave you a picture of Kanye crying or something else, and they gave it to you. They Allen Iverson him because they didn't tell you about when he was talking about agriculture. He was talking about this. He was talking about the Industrial Revolution. He was talking about the other things. Yo, they didn't give you all that. They give you all the basic, oh, he was crying, and he was doing this, and how, how he going to want to... I'm like, huh? So... A man now expresses feelings when y'all say men don't express feelings is a problem, but when they don't, it's a problem. So we always in the catch 22 when it comes to showing our feelings or not showing our feelings. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. So, like I said, they, they gave you all this stuff to say, yo, listen, he's racist, he's this. But then when I'm like, well, no, what about this? Or let's look at this from another angle, you know? 
you don't necessarily do I do, do people always gotta necessarily grab you by the hand and then walk you and say, I'm taking you to the bathroom now. This is where you use the bathroom. No, they don't have to tell you when you need to go and how you need to go to the bathroom. So if I say, well, let's think about it like this, that's just me saying, yo, listen, maybe the way you know it or you think it is, is not right. I don't need to hold your hand and make you think something different. You could do that on your own. Just let me help you a little bit because if you don't get a broader understanding of what's going on or what they're talking about, you're going to be lost in this world. And a lot of people are because they think they know and they think that certain things are going to fix situations when they're absolutely not going to do that. We don't understand that, though. We get too emotional. And I always talk about that. Every week I'm talking about emotions. As people are emotional, they don't want to be friends with you no more because uh, what they're emotional. Over what? Over what? When do you sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to do for me and I'm going to do for my people or I'm going to just do for my family. And then my family, like whatever person, kid, adult, want to branch off into that and expand whatever knowledge or whatever research, whatever we can do to help the community or help this person or help this person or whatever. And we build. Why can't we do that? Snowflakes. Why can't we be snowflakes? I ain't saying we got to be white. Let's boy, can we be snowflakes? Stick together and fucking cause fucking havoc. But instead of being snowflakes so easily destroyed, you turn to ice. And what ice do? It melts eventually, but you don't let that happen. Or you just build a brick foundation that nobody can destroy. Nobody can huff and puff and blow your motherfucking house down. That's what you do. But yet, we too busy fighting over a person being a fucking Democrat and a person being a Republican. So let's talk about that. So when the Republican Party was formed, I'm just going to give you something brief. I mean, you can go look the bullshit up yourself. You know what I'm saying? The, the Republican Party was basically formed as an anti-slavery movement into the West. When the Missouri Compromise was purchased and all that, they, you know, the, the agreement was that if we give you this land, we sell this land to you, that slavery doesn't expand from where it's at into the West. So the Republican Party was anti-slavery when they were formed. Bunch of black people, white people, they, you know what? We're anti this, we're, an, we're anti slavery. So, so, for somebody to ask you, if you want to go historically, you'd be like, how could you be a Republican? Because Republicans were anti slavery. It just, over time, the Dixiecrats, AKA Democrats, all the Republicans, all the Republicans turned Democrat. And then the racist people who were whatever stepped into the Republican seat. It's just like, what all it was, let me put it like this. The Republicans turned Democrats and the Democrats turned Republicans. That's all it was. Just a switch of positions. But the Democrats, as we know, which y'all was so happy about this Confederate flag that was taken down. And I know that was the Dixiecrats uh, emblem, basically, you want to call it. So, but like I said, it's neither here nor there. Like symbolic victories we fall for them, but don't really know what the meaning behind all of this shit is. Because we think politicians are going to save us and put us in a better position and I don't know why. So we you know, I'm just gonna get in and, and close this out and why white supremacy can won't why you why we'll never get rep- reparations and why how white supremacy keeps that into place. Now when you go back and like I said you talk about the forty acres and the mule and all that, you really just you know, forty acres of land. So what they did in between um between like uh, 63 and 77, back in 1863 and 1867, what they did is uh, it was this order by um, a General William T. Sherman. It was called Special Field Order Number 15. 
and everything. It was actually issued on January 16, 1965, right? And I put this up on my, my Facebook before, my Instagram as well. And it just, it, it's basically the history of emancipation and what 40 Acres and the Mule, what it was promising, what it contained. And it would contain three major elements. I'm going to read those off to you. Then I'm going to read the order itself. And at the end, it's going to tell you exactly why white supremacy will never be defeated. And then I'm going to close because I'm going to get ready to watch this game. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go with, uh, um, I'm going to go with Tom Terrific. But I mean, that's because I'm a Patriots fan, but we ain't talking about that right now. <laughs> you see the hat for those who see me on video. I mean, it's a blackout year. That's why it's always black. But um, with uh, the history of emancipation and the signing of the special order, special field order number 15, it basically guaranteed the 40 acres and the mule, which came, they said the mule came later, but that, you know, it's another discussion. So I'm going to read like what exactly was promised and what happened. And I'll read that for you. Then I'll read the, the, the order itself and what happened with the order. And then I'll close out because I've been by, I've been here, here for 40 for you. Yeah, definitely the goal. <laughs> definitely. I mean, we can have that conversation any day. People will be like, oh, well, well, Joe Montana never lost. And I mean, I'm, well, I mean, we can, if you want to compare, like I said, and, and I'm going to just throw the topic off real quick before I get into this. Like people want to compare Mike and LeBron. Okay, do that. But I say only compare Mike and LeBron's season up to LeBron's 13th season. Don't compare Mike's 13th season to LeBron's 18. That's not a fair comparison. But if you compare 13 to 13, you don't even have a fucking talk at that point. So when y'all ready to have that conversation, we can have that one. Don't compare to what Mike did in 13, sitting out a year and a half, and then breaking his ankle one year and only playing 16 games compared to what this dude doing in 18, almost 19, 20 years. We can't even do that because if you compare those two 13 careers, LeBron got, what, the two championships or if, the, if that, yeah, the two championships. That, I mean, he doesn't break Michael, um, he doesn't break Michael's playoff record until his 15th season. LeBron's 15th season is when he broke Michael's playoff points record. So, I mean, if you want to really still sit here and compare that, we can. But, I mean, only compare the thirteen to the two thirteen careers. And just like Joe Montana and Tom Brady, if you want to compare the careers up to when Joe Montana retired, do that. And then that's when you figure out the GOAT. But then you figure out what Brady has done after that point, and we can go from there. So, you know, we can always have different discussions, you know. Always um, something that, that, that uh, I'm always up for. <laughs> but. Um, you know, I did a little research or whatever, and it just basically, you know, I didn't know what was uh in the in the order itself. So I kind of looked up some things, and I didn't read the actual order, but it was three major parts that were pointed out and put into an article as far as like what it was, what was promised, and all that. So, um. I'm going to just read this part. Like I said, it says, we have been taught in school that the source of policy of 40 acres in the mule was Union General William T. Sherman Special Order Number 15, issued on January 16, 1965. That account is half right. Sherman prescribed the 40 acres in that order, but not the mule. The mule will come later. And that's what I was saying about that earlier. But what many what many accounts leave out is the idea for massive land redistribution. Remember, we were talking about that. Obama said, no, we can't redistribute this land. Redistrib redistribution actually was a result of a discussion that Sherman and Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton held four days before Sherman issued an order with 20 leaders of the black community in Savannah, Georgia, where Sherman, where Sherman was headquartered following his famous march to the sea. 
The meaning was unprecedented in American history. Today, we commonly use the phrase 40 acres and a mule, but few of us have read the order itself. Three of its parts are relevant here. Section one bears repeating its repeating in full. The islands from Charleston south, the abandoned rice fields along the rivers for 30 miles back from the sea and the country bordering the St. John's River, Florida, are reserved and set apart for the settlement of the Negroes. Now made free by the acts of war and proclamation of the and proclamation of the president of the United States. Section two specifies that these new communities, moreover, would be governed entirely by black people themselves. Section two specifies that these communities, moreover, would be governed entirely by black people themselves. On no white person whatever unless military officers and soldiers detailed for duty will be permitted to reside and the sole and exclusive management of affairs will be left to the left to the free people themselves by the laws of war and orders of the president of the united states the negro is free and must be dealt with as such okay let's go in the final section three in the sorry finally section three specifies the allocation of land each family should have a plot of not more than 40 acres of tillable ground and when it borders and when it borders on some water channel with not more than 800 feet waterfront in the possession of which land the military authorities will afford them protection until such time as they cannot or as they can protect themselves or until Congress shall regulate their title with this order with this order, with this order 400,000 acres of land, a strip of coastal line stretching from Charleston, South Carolina to the St. John's River in Florida, including Georgia's Sea Islands and the mainland 30 miles in from the coast, as Benton Myers reports, will be redistributed to the newly free slaves. The extent of this order is larger implications. Larger implications are mind-boggling, actually. Right? So. That was special order number 15, which got carried out to a certain extent, is what they don't tell you. They don't tell you about it, but then it was certain it was carried out to a certain extent. But I'ma read the order in which it said what the order said. And well, this this it meant this uh plaque. And I want to say it's in Savannah, Georgia. The plaque that's in Savannah, Georgia itself. And it's at the Georgia Hysterical Society. Historical hysterical. <laughs> Historical Society and the Battlefield Association, Georgia Department of Economic, and why you always want to do this to me when I'm about to do something. But, um, and the order itself, well, the, the plaque reads, and this is what happened, and this is why white supremacy would never, ever be dominated. And rep- it, would ne- it won't be dominated until reparations is paid, and this is the reason why they will never, ever pay reparations. Just because of those three things. When you distribute it and you lose the people, you don't have your workforce anymore. You don't have the people to do for you anymore. And we don't have a bottom class. So who does the labor work while we sit in the office and tell people what to do? But it says, on January 12, 1865, U.S. Secretary uh, U.S. Secretary of War Edwin Stanton and General W. William T. Sherman met here in the home of Charles Green with 20 leaders from Savannah's African-American churches, including Garrison Frazier, Ulysses L. Houston, and William Campbell. The meeting resulted in Sherman's issue of special orders, special field orders number 15, which encouraged the enlistment of freed and also reserved coastal islands from Charleston South to Florida St. John's River for settlement by freed families in 40 acre, 40 acre tracts. The Freeman's Borough Act of March 1865 
formalized President Lincoln's oh my, I'm sorry formalized government aid to free slaves but made no provision for land. After President Lincoln's death, President Andrew Johnson revoked Special Order 15, Special Orders Number 15, hampering efforts by African Americans to gain economic independence after emancipation. You can't give reparations because you defeat white supremacy. Think about that. They're never going to give it. Even if motherfuckers say, you know what, let's do it on our own. We don't need it. They have no intention of getting into it. And how do you fucking do your and build your own? Powernomics tells you. The destruction of black civilization tells you. How you get back to that. To govern yourselves. Build your own democracy. How democracy was ran. Democracy was created by Africans in African villages. Talked about this last week. But it's just gonna, we're gonna have the same conversation until we're having the same conversation. It's the only way we're gonna get to the same conversation if we keep having the same conversation and everybody get on board. Because we can know all of this shit, but until we put it in effect, we don't know what the fuck going on. So you, when I'm up here and I'm talking and I'm running my mouth and running and just going, 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 and people telling me I'm wrong, how am I wrong if you're not proving me wrong? So my boy says to me, Lorenzo, you can't get up there and get mad when people go at you. No, that's the whole point. It's up for debate. This is if you want to debate and you can, you know, you got some shit to say. Listen, because like I told you, I can be wrong. But once if I'm wrong and you correct me, that just makes me right. Because now I can correct my wrong information and add in with the information I already know. So thank you for correcting me. But like I said, until somebody come up here and actually have truths and facts to prove someone wrong, don't just tell me I'm wrong. You can say I'm wrong because you feel like I'm wrong, but that doesn't make me wrong because you want me to be or because you want to be right. You want me to be wrong. No, until you can prove, bring to me, don't say, well, this, or like when you bring it to religion, when you say something to a religious person, what they first thing they say, well, it's in the Bible. Well, show me, show me what's in the Bible, where it's at in the Bible. Don't just tell me it's there. Show it to me. And prove to me that that's what that actually means. Or if it's not a metaphor for something else. But we ain't going to get into the religious conversation. We're just going to stick to, you know what I mean, the, the what's in front of us and what we don't understand. And you're trying to tell somebody they're wrong when you can't even prove them wrong. If you can't prove me wrong, please don't even say, don't open your mouth. But if you're going to correct me and bring the, the proof and the evidence, then I'm, listen, I get up there, listen, such and such proved me wrong. I said this, and it was really this. And I'll have no problem doing that because like they say, every great teacher is an even better student. So, I mean, I think I had a lot more to say. And just before I get out of here, man, and it's just like, I was almost about to um say, you know what? I'm going to knock this book out in a week and uh, I'm going to do that and because uh, it drives my topic for the night about reparations or whatever. So, like I said, reparations would never be paid because it dominates white supremacy. It disrupts it because you're redistributing the land and you're taking people who've been building their wealth and their families and all this on this plot of land that now you got to get taken from you and redistribute to another person or however they're going to do it if they was to actually stick up to the special order number 15 and take that whole strip of Charleston and all that, that's disrupting a lot of people. Maybe not a lot of black people, but a lot of people that got to And If some people are already there, that's fine, but, you know, whatever. But um, Friday I was about to leave work and my coworker. He watching Sharon, Sharon Milliken. He walked. He was walking with 
a package in his hand. And I'm like, you got something to deliver? He's like, nah, it's, you know, it's just one of these books. And he's like, I started reading this. Interesting. But I'm like, in my head, though, I'm like, yo, how you reading this in the package? But when I went back there, I saw that one was open already, but it was kind of wet because they were thrown in the dumpster. And um, so he was like, yo, they beg-. he's like, some might have fell down, but they right on top. So I was like, all right, let me go run back there and get one or whatever. Run back there. And there's one right within my reach. So I grab it and I'm like, hmm. So I open it up and I like, after I saw he had it because he had opened it, I was like, let me go see. So then when you like looking at it, I'm like, yo, this is, this is my topic for, it's supposed to be Friday, but it was like from here to equality, reparations for black Americans in the 21st century. Just a book thrown in the garbage. You know what I'm saying? And it's by uh, William A. Darity Jr. and Kristen Mullen. And A. Kristen Mullen. Kirsten Mullen. I'm sorry. So it's like, wow. I was like, all right, I'm going to just postpone the show, do it Friday. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to knock it out in a week. I'm going to just put the other two books on hold for now, read that all week, and then and that further my argument. But I don't need to because, I mean, when people write books on it and then you do research and stuff on it and you see why they won't give it, you don't need to really – I'm going to read the book because it's information, but you don't really need to stop everything just to basically give more information than you already can give for people to get the understanding. So, I mean, you have to go back to reconstruction and, and you have to break it down back to slavery, the end of slavery, like I said, reconstruction period and what we were doing without them. And the volume is low. My bad. Why didn't you say that earlier? Oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. It's better now. Can you ever hear me? I don't know. I'm about to sign off though. Like, damn, that sucks. I wish it was. I wish I would have known that. But um, ah oh, man, that might be low the whole time. Then I, I don't even realize. I didn't even realize that. Now I'm sweating because I'm like, oh shit, I just recorded all that for nothing. Well, I recorded it on my. So like, if you missed it on Facebook, you can catch it on YouTube or catch it on the podcast. The podcast will be linked as soon as I'm done and I get everything together. Podcast will probably be posted as far as early as tomorrow. So later than no later than Tuesday. Um, yeah, so that that's that's basically it, man. Like I said, I could we could talk about a lot, lot more, but we have a lot more topics going forward. This is just something I I want people to understand that a denunciation of something does not end it, especially something like white supremacy, which is a system. It, it's a system built in racism, but keeps the, it's a structure, a power structure. Like I said, I mean. And racism was keep the, the power structure in place. And when we understand that, we understand that we don't, we don't, unless we do it ourselves, then we are actually hit and no one's going to do it for us. So with all of that said, um, I want to let y'all know I'm recording my first podcast as we speak. I got the earphone in because it's connected to the phone. I'm live on an iPad and I got my other phone recording for YouTube. So until I get a device for IG Live, then we all up going. We're going to be all up going. So um, catch me next week. Don't know the topic yet. I'm pretty sure somebody give me a topic to talk about. No, I pretty got, I pretty much got topics to talk about, but it's just the ones that come about when I say hit record, record, and record. That's whatever comes out, comes out. So um, with all that said, I'm out of here. Close the victory. Peace.